Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Well, good morning. Welcome to Collective Church. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the lead pastors here. We are glad that you are with us, that if you're watching online, we love you. If you're in the room, thank you for being flexible and rolling with our changes. Uh, I want to, one of, our, uh, one of our values at Collective is authenticity, where we're not going to pretend like anyone other than Jesus is perfect. So can I, is this a safe place? Can I own something that is not in my notes? Um, Noah is... Is Noah 12 or 11? Noah's 12. Okay, so Noah's back there doing Pro Presenter, and I did not tell Noah that we were going to do the two songs at the beginning, and rather than doing one song and then one song at the end. And so tech is one of those things where you only notice tech when it goes wrong, and then everyone's looking back going, like, what are they doing? And then I did that to a 12-year-old. So that's my fault. Can we give Noah a giant round of applause? Noah, you're awesome. We are in a series called Rooted, but for us, it's so much more than a series. It's also part of what we would call co-groups or what you might know as small groups where, where we want to actually, we want to go deeper and we want to engage and grow, follow the, the way of Jesus, but, but actually be willing to surrender some things. And, and there are some pieces in this as we navigate on that journey that um, haven't always been easy, and yet it's been beautiful. This week is, we're, we're looking at uh, spiritual warfare, which maybe you hear that and you're like, I'm a little nervous now. Good. Just kidding. But have you ever noticed there's this, there's this fixation that we have culturally with good versus evil? I, I mean, think about the, the best movies, Netflix shows, books that you read, there's this battle that we see. Any show, even shows that are about a hospital, there is a good guy, and then there is someone who is bad, right? Fairly quickly, we understand that there, there's, there's the, the hero, and then there is the villain, and we love to hate the villain. We're like, oh man, I can't wait till they get what they deserve. There's this fixation that we have culturally with good versus evil. I think it also speaks to this understanding that we know that this is the fundamental, fundamental narrative. That even for culture that wouldn't believe what we do, that there is a, a battle between good and evil. And as Christians, we would say that that represents God who is good versus Satan who is evil. That there is this tension, this war, this, this conflict that is happening that we live in. We call it spiritual warfare. And I want to spend some time as a church unpacking what that actually looks like. But I do want to let you know that if you're in the room and you would call yourself a Jesus follower, when you choose to follow Jesus, you pick a side. You say, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to God. And you choose a side. That means that there's no neutrality for us as Christians. We don't just get to float through and go, you know what, it's, it's fine. I get to live my life as a comfortable Canadian Christian. It's different than that. 
There is someone in the, in the Bible, his name is Paul, and he wrote the majority of the New Testament. We call him, if you've been around church for any length of time, the Apostle Paul. Wrote a lot of letters to local churches that he started. We call him the Apostle Paul because he started and led over a bunch of different churches. But Paul didn't start in this place. Paul was not a great guy. Paul was actually murdering Christians, and he went from murdering Christians, came face to face with Jesus, and then began to lead them. This significant understanding, Paul understood the, the reality of picking a side. He picked a side. He understands spiritual warfare. And so I want to look at a few of Paul's writings to a, local, a couple local churches as helping us to understand what that means for us as Christians. And so I want to start in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 12. And Ephesians is a book written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. So a local church. Now I want you to imagine this isn't just to that local church. It's also speaking directly to us 2,000 plus years later. And so Paul says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let's pray. God, I pray that in these moments that you would be the one that speaks. As we open up your words God, we want you to be the one that speaks to each one of us. God, help us to see you more clearly. Help us to surrender to you more deeply. Help us to see your son. God, may this not just be an exchange of information where I come up and I share some things, but instead a moment and an invitation towards transformation. God, we surrender this to you. We thank you that you are at work that you see each one of us and you love us, but you love us so much that you don't want us to stay where we are. God, we love you and we trust you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's work through that, that passage a, a little bit. Do you see where it starts? It starts with a final word, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. That does not say, be strong in you. It's not, hey, if you could just be a little stronger, then you would be good. If you were just a little bit more well-defined and, and more actualized, then you would be good. No, no, no. It's saying, be strong in the Lord. Our strength is found in him, not in us. Paul reminds us that God has mighty power. And if you follow Jesus, you've had these moments where you see it. You see that God has mighty power. And then these other moments, and I have to be honest, that I have these times where I know that's true. God has mighty power, but I struggle to see it. Because I see what I see. I see around me. I see things through the lens of my experience or my circumstances. And so I begin to make God in my image rather than letting him be made in his. And so I know that he has mighty power, and yet when I'm facing things that are difficult, I find myself second-guessing. I find myself wondering, is that true? Is that actually true? And we're reminded by Paul that our strength is not the epicenter. This is not the focus, that it is God's strength, his mighty power. I spoke a little bit about that last week. I, I got a chance to, to really hit that, but I want to I wanna make sure we're clear. That's not something that we express and we understand once and go, now I'm good. It's a daily reminder. Oh, yeah, it's not my strength. 
Oh, oh, God is the one who is powerful, and he is the one who is in control. I can, I can actually be part of his strength. I can take his strength. It's not about me. In fact, my weakness is a perfect proving ground for his strength. We need to, as Christians, continually be reminded of that when we face difficulties and when we see circumstances that are difficult. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. How? Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. The devil, a.k.a. Satan, a.k.a. the snake, a.k.a. Lucifer. However you have heard, this is the enemy. This is the opposite force of God. And so Paul says something here that, that stuck with me. As I was unpacking this and studying us, going, this is something that is small and yet so significant to those of us that are Christians. Paul says, put on all of God's armor. Now, can I point out something super, super obvious? Armor is not useful sitting on a mannequin. Armor is only useful if we actually put it on. Like if you're in a fight, like imagine you're watching some Netflix show or a movie and it's a medieval fight and they're, they're storming a castle and you see some people and they're getting arrow shot at them and the guy has the armor over on the side and he's like, okay, let's fight. You'd be going, no! Get the armor. Put the armor on. How often for us in our spiritual lives do we go, I'm in a fight, but I don't think I want to put the armor on. I think, you know, I'm taking all these shots. How come it hurts so much? How come it's so difficult? Is it possible that the armor is just collecting dust in the corner? Like we're living our life going, no, 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 his power, sure. And he says, okay, so put on my armor. And you go, no, I've got it from here. I've got a plan. It's important for us to understand that we actually have to put on the armor that Paul is talking about, God's armor. That that's not just like a recommendation. You know, it'd be helpful. It's actually a prerequisite if we're in the middle of a fight. So Paul reminds us, put on all of God's armor. Now, I'm not going to get a chance to get into all of the components of God's armor, but I would encourage you, this week, read ahead. You have permission. You're, you can go through and go, okay, God, Paul actually unpacks what God's armor looks like, and there are multiple pieces, and it's, it's important, but I want to hit one of them, one piece of the armor. Any, anyone in here wearing a belt? A belt. Yes. I like the like small hands, like I'm kind of wearing a belt. <laughs> I'm wearing a belt and I'm really grateful for it. I had to adjust it and get it a little tighter because I was nervous. A belt is important. Now Paul actually describes as part of this armor a belt of truth. This is important, the belt of truth. There are multiple layers and understandings of this belt of truth, but the, the belt of truth represents who God is, the truth of who God is, the truth of how, who we are in light of that, the truth of God's word, the truth of God's son, Jesus, the truth of what God is inviting us into. It is truth, and God loves truth. All truth is God's truth, and so we put on this belt of truth. If you've been around Collective for any length of time, one of the things that we talk about is we talk about the lie. Like as we're unpacking things and as we want to grow spiritually, we, we ask ourselves the question, what's the lie that I'm believing? What's the lie I'm believing about who God is? What's the lie that I'm believing about who I am? What is the lie 
that I'm believing. But we don't just identify the lie and go, well, that's the lie. And you go, okay, moving on. No, we want to replace that with God's truth. We want to identify the lie, the thing that we're believing, and replace it with something that is truthful. Like, you may have all sorts of lies. There might be lies that you believe about God, you believe about you, but you believe about God's word. I, I don't know what it is. But let me just give you one, one, maybe one lie that is culturally a lie that we like to believe. The lie that if we just have more stuff, then we'll be satisfied and content. I mean, that's like one of the safe lies, right? We go, well, we're just consumeristic Canadians. It's a lie. Because have you ever noticed, doesn't matter how many things you buy, you always want to buy more stuff? And you're like, you know what? This thing made me happy for a week. I'm going to go buy some more stuff. Or you get a brand new house and you're like, if I get this house, then everything will be good. And then you get the house and you're like, that other house looks nice. It's bigger, it's a larger yard. So the lie is that stuff will somehow make me content. What does God say? He says that I am your contentment. I'm your provision. I'm the one that looks at whatever you're going on and go, I've got you. I've provided for you. I'm enough. The lie confronted with the truth. And there are so many lies that we believe. And what can happen with lies is that we can begin to create these spaces in our life where we surrender space away from God and we give it to the enemy and we go, here, you know what? You can camp out there. I'm going to live in the lie. This week in our co-groups, in our rooted co-groups, we're going to spend some time exploring strongholds in our life. Areas where we've surrendered space and we've gone, you know what, I, I, I want to live in this place where I believe the lie. I'm, I'm willing to let sin be the thing that, that drives me forward. Areas where we believe the lie and it's taken root. We're looking at places where our temptation to go our own way and do our own thing has caused us to wander. It's important for us to do that and to do that in community. The truth is that sin creates these spaces where we reject God's best and we settle for something that is less. We settle into this environment where we go, yeah, God, I, I think you have a better plan, but I think I'm going to take it from here. And God invites us continually and, uh, and over and over and over again in every single area to trust him more and to allow his truth to speak truth to the lies that we believe. We're invited to surrender to his lordship. Like we actually are surrendering our life to the fact that God has a better way and he is who we're willing to let be in charge. The problem with sin, anytime that we do something that is counter to what God intends, is that it overpromises and it under delivers. We think, okay, this thing will be the thing that somehow makes me feel complete only to realize it's like a mirage. It just doesn't ever quite do enough. And God continues to draw us closer and goes, let me be. Let me be the one that actually offers you hope. Let me show you a better way. Let me invite you closer. We put on this armor, this belt of truth. Paul tells us so that we will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. This is the reminder for us as Christians. We don't put on the armor so we can be nice, shiny Christians. Walking around going, look at me. I'm a great Christian. I'm the Lord's anointed. Like in the parade going, I'm wearing my customary battlements. I've never been in a fight, but look at how shiny I am. No. Our armor that we wear as Christians should be dented and battle-tested. 
It should not be shiny and perfect. Because we should be in we should be in a fight. Now, not the fight that we decide, actually where God already is. We don't parade around and pretend like, oh yeah, look at how impressive I am as a Christian. We know as a Christian, as I follow God, I am in a fight. And Paul is reminding us that this fight is significant, that the the devil has strategies, that our enemy has strategies. He's at work. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to deceive. He wants to exchange a a truth for a a lie. He He wants to oppose us. Now, I've been around some churches where it's like, it's it's. Fear. You're like, everything is going to be bad because the devil is at work. And you're like, oh man, it's all this, like, what are we going to do? Uh, I, I, I do not want that to be the reality. I, I want us to be not fixated and not fearful, but watchful. I just want us to understand as Christians that there is more below the surface than we think. That the things that we are navigating sometimes have a spiritual component, even if we struggle with it. In our time on earth, we as Christians are in a battle, that we are in the middle of a a great conflict. Paul tells us, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This speaks to the idea of the seen and unseen world. There's what we see around us. And then there are the things that we don't see. When we talk about angels and we talk about demonic activity and we talk about the things that aren't seen, there is an element of spiritual, of of God's design for earth that is the seen and the unseen. There is an enemy that is unseen and yet we see the effect of him. And right now, if you're to look at the the political, social climate of uh, North America, we have lots of people with lots of enemies. We have lots of caricatures. We have caricatures of extreme positions, and we have people with really loud voices yelling all sorts of things. And, And if you lived only on social media and didn't have normal human friendships and relationships, you'd go, the world is crazy. Now, it's a little crazy, but we hear the extreme sides, and there's a whole bunch of people living in, in the tension of going, I'm trying to figure out a way forward. And we, what we end up doing is we treat other sides, the other, as the ultimate enemy. They are the enemy. They are the worst. And, and if we're not careful, ideologically, we look at either one of those extremes and we go, this is the solution. If we just do that, that's the solution. And what I want to remind you of is that, that those, are, those are partial solutions. Neither of those fully represent Jesus. I love the, the picture of Jesus up on the cross where he, he's on the cross and, and there's two other crosses, one on either side of him. And on one hand, someone who completely denies him. And on the other hand, someone who is willing to follow him. You see Jesus living in the tension in the center. We look at the enemies that are around us, and if we're not careful, we think that that's all it is. It's just people, and they're the, the worst. But what we need to understand is that there's things going on below the surface. That anyone who is trying to do their own thing outside of what Jesus is asking is 
opposed to what Jesus is doing. That, that we actually do see, we see spiritual warfare play out in different ways. But it's important that we understand that our ultimate fight is not with people. It's not with other people. It, it creates this environment, if we're not careful, of us versus them, but it's not us versus them. We're reminded that Satan is at work, and Satan is trying to distort and, and derail and actively harm people. There is an unseen battle. The devil is opposing God and what God is up to. And I want you to pay careful attention because if the devil can distract us with all sorts of noise, then we take our eyes off the cross and our eyes off of Jesus and we start going in a different direction. And instead what we need to do is come back to our Savior on that cross who conquered death and rose again and go, I want to follow you. In the midst of whatever conflict, I want to be with you. I want to be close to you. And if we're not doing that, what becomes our reality is we're more concerned about winning fights with other people than we are actually aligning ourselves with what Jesus wants to do. And so everyone else is our enemy, and God's going, um, there's actually something greater, and you need to follow me in that. We end up treating people like they are the enemy. But our enemy is not, they're not just people. It's the devil who is at work, the devil who's, who's trying to deceive and destroy. And here's the, here's the challenge. All of that can, can create a pendulum. So on one hand, we understand, okay, so there's, a, there's spiritual warfare, there's opposition between God and the devil, and so we can go one of two extreme ways. We can go, everything is the devil, or... Nothing is spiritual and nothing is spiritual warfare. I don't know where you tend to. I, I've had moments in my life that I've gone one way and moments in my life that I've gone the other way. Moments that I, I blame everything on spiritual warfare and other moments where it's like I'm oblivious to the fact that there are things unseen. We need to be really careful blaming every single thing on the devil and abdicating ourselves of our own responsibility in the midst of that. Like you go, devil made me late for work. It was the devil. And you're like, no, you stayed up late and you binged a show and then you slept in. That wasn't the devil. You're like, yeah, but he was at work. He, he lured me into the show. No, you lack self-control. Turn the TV off. Like it's really, or you're like, the devil ruined my friendships. No, you're a jerk. Like, you're just not a good friend. And you're like, yeah, I know, but it was, it was the devil. And you go, yeah, it's possible that by doing that, we abdicate any of our own responsibility to take actual responsibility for our actions. There's the tension. So, so there's spiritual elements, and there's spiritual warfare, there's opposition. Some of it is the devil. Some of it is us. Some of it is, is where we live and the brokenness of the world. And so we live in the tension. But what this passage does, it, it begins to remind us that what we see is not all there is. That there is more beyond what we can see. It, it lives, it creates this space where we understand yet again that there are opposing forces that are battling for us and those around us. But is it possible that maybe as North Americans, our tendency is to under-spiritualize everything. 
Like we go, you know what, we're Canadians, we're polite, it's probably just, it's probably just, it's my fault, it's something I did. Instead of going, you know what, there's also some things at play. Like I want you to think about your own life. When you are, when you are following Jesus, have you ever noticed that it feels like there's opposition? Every single time you try to take a step, every single time you try to, to grow, every single time you go, you know what, I want more for my spiritual life. The truth is, when you are growing spiritually, when you are following the way of Jesus, you will experience opposition. Now, I know there's sometimes in churches that, that we, we soft sell certain things, and we're like, you know, if you follow Jesus, everything will be better. And, and in so many ways, that's true, but it'll also be harder, like, the people that I know that I respect that are following Jesus and have for a long period of time, their life is not simpler. And we confront a lie. If I follow Jesus, my life should be easy and good. That I should be healthy and wealthy. Good to go. But what do we do with the fact that if you read the entire Bible, you go, it does not seem to work out like that for anybody else. <laughs> You're like, you know what, but I'm different. It's 2021, we're moving forward. The truth is that when we follow Jesus, when we are actively surrendering to his leadership, we will face opposition. It is inevitable. I mean, I, I talk to any of the people that are part of Collective that have gotten baptized, and I prep them. I go, here's the deal. It's almost guaranteed that before getting baptized and after, you'll, you'll face some fights. It'll be difficult. Why? Because baptism is an outward expression of inward transformation. You are publicly declaring, I am, I am dead to my old self and made new through Jesus. And so you face, you put your stake in the ground and you face opposition. Have you ever noticed that if you're married that you fight on the way to church? Now, again, sometimes that's just because you're a jerk. But, <laughs> but sometimes I, I just want you to pay attention that that, is it possible that maybe even God, that, that the devil wants to take that and go, I'm going to make it so you hate this, so you dread that drive, so your kids are bitter, so you barely talk to each other as you're worshiping God is good, but you're not. <laughs> right? I go, I just look at that and go, I just don't think that's fully coincidental. Like wherever you are on the pendulum, you look at that and you start to go, yeah, that makes sense. Because we're not just fighting the things that are seen, we're fighting the things that are unseen, opposing forces. We are in a battle. Now, can I get even more practical personally? That's been our reality. Over the last four weeks, we've seen more people that have been brand new to Collective than in a while. We've moved to two services to make room. We've, joined, we've added a bunch of people to a team. We've seen, we've seen people coming and people making, taking steps and growing. And so there's this component that you go, this is what we've been working towards. I mean, all the things along the way, and we have been using the German Canadian Club and that venue, we had, and I'm starting to go, I'm not even gonna say this anymore because it's, I feel like, I, I, I was saying to Lee, we're hitting our stride. Like we made the space, we, we had maximized what we could do, people were connecting longer. All these things that we look and go, this is so encouraging. And then Thanksgiving Monday, I get a phone call. On Thanksgiving Monday, I'm like, really? And I didn't answer it. 
But here I am with my kids. We're, we're at my mom and stepdad's farm, and we're having fun. And I'm thinking, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be present in this moment. But then that night I get home, and I'm like, I'm like thinking. And I see an email from the president who's basically going, like, you're out. Like, we're, we're just going to do whatever we want to do, and sorry, you're going to have to deal with it. And I'm frustrated in that moment. And I look at it, and if I'm not careful, and I had lots of these moments this week and this morning where I go, why? Why? But should I be surprised? Like, if as a church we notice that things are progressing that, that there is fruit, that we are impacting more people, if as a church that should we not expect opposition? Now that might come in, in some other form, but could it be possible that it comes in the form of a place that goes, you know what? You're going to have to find somewhere else. Sorry. Where you're scrambling. Now in that moment, I, 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 I confront the lie. What's the lie? For me, it's, Um, You're not going to have a home. You guys aren't going to have any people. Uh, You can't do this. See, no one cares. All these things that begin. And what's the truth? The truth is that God continually says, I will build my church and the gates uh, gates of hell will not prevail against it. Notice what he did not say. He did not say, Tyler will build this church. He didn't say, the collective team will build this church. He said, I will build my church. And so in the moment that we face opposition, we're confronted with a lie. And the lie of all the other things, and God goes, let me tell you the truth. In the midst of whatever you're facing, the battle that you're in, let me tell you the truth. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can I just point out something? I heard a long time ago from a pastor that it just stuck with me. When we, when we say that, like even if you look at this church, there was a time that this church doesn't exist in the congregation. There was a time that, that they lived in this fear of going, uh, there's dwindling people, people are getting older. And so, and so they, they live in this tension of we got to protect. We got to hunker down and protect. We got we to make sure we're okay. But if you think about the gates of hell, This is not a protection thing, where as collective church, we just need to protect. We just need to make sure we're okay. No, it's it's actually the gates of hell are defensive position because we're advancing. We're actually moving forward. We're taking ground. This is what's been happening. And so it's it's not that we go, you know, we just have to protect. Hopefully we can stay here and it'll be okay. I go, no, no, no. We're gonna move forward. Because Satan right now, what he loves to do in us, in the church, but in us personally, he loves, to, he loves to distort and destroy early. He loves to, at moments where you go, okay, I, I think we're finally starting to develop this discipline of prayer or discipline of engaging with God's word. And, and he goes, I'm going to make it so that you don't sleep. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it so that you go, you know what? I, I can't do this. I'm going to destroy it early. At moments where it is at times fragile, Satan goes, this is my opportunity. And I look at all of that and go, I just think maybe Satan misunderstands what fragility looks like. Because I know that God continues to say that his power is made perfect in weakness. And so I continue to go live in this tension, saying, God, I don't like that. I don't want to feel weak. 
I don't want to worry. I don't want to wonder. And so you choose. So I believe the lie or the truth that I will build my church. When you are growing spiritually, you will inevitably face opposition. I don't want to sugarcoat any of that. You will face resistance. This is why consumer Christianity is so harmful. Because we show up and we just think my expectation is I show up and I feel good and I may be encouraged with something and then I go about living my life however I want to. But that, that, that's dying. Like it just can't exist anymore. In 2021, increasingly it is not less difficult to be a Christian. It's more difficult. And God's invitation is not to settle for some sort of mirage of what it means to follow Jesus. He goes, come on, let's go, let's go where I'm already going. Let's be the church. And when we do that, it is inevitable that we will face challenges. We will face opposition. And if we are simply consuming, if we are just saying, hey, what else you got? We're going, hey, preacher, tell me what God is saying. And you're not actually engaging with the Bible at all through the week. And we don't actually strap in to the fight and put on that armor. What we're doing is we're saying, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and watch. I'm just going to watch other people do something. I'm just going to, I don't really want to get involved. And I just, I want to let you know that that is not God's plan. That is not God's invitation for you. When it comes to spiritual warfare, there are these external battles, like even the one that we face and things that we continue to face. But then there are also internal battles. There's internal spiritual warfare. There's stuff in us that, that is, represents this conflict that is happening within us. Like, have you ever noticed that every single time that you commit, you go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to embrace following Jesus more radically, or I'm going to read my Bible consistently or pray consistently, that, that, that you actually find yourself going, yeah, but why bother? Like, you live in some of that tension internally where you go, yeah, but if I do that, like, probably won't work. I'll probably just give up. I probably won't be able to follow through. I pro All these internal battles, or maybe there are moments that, that God invites you into something. God goes, hey, listen, I want you to go pray for that person. I want you to go over and ask if you can do something for this person. And, and in your head, you have this battle where you go, yeah, but I'm not good enough. I don't have the answers. I, I can't do this. I'm afraid. I, he doesn't want to use me. He, God's probably not, he's probably not talking to me. He's probably, there's, there's a, an internal battle that happens. Or maybe the battle is, you, you know what God is saying, and you go, but I'm not sure I believe that God has my best interest in mind. I know he says this, I know it seems pretty clear, but I don't know if that's actually true. Because I kind of want to do my own thing. I kind of want to be in charge on my own. There is a battle. There's a battle for our heart and our desires. Maybe the, the battle that you go, you know what? The Bible is lovely, but it's, it's very antiquated and out of date. And so I just want to pick the things that I like and the other stuff I don't like. I just want to ignore. There's a battle. And I want to remind you, even on that, that, that the kingdom of God and what Jesus is offering is not an option, it's an alternative. It's not like, hey, uh, here's a, a banquet table of options. What do you want to pick? Christianity, following Jesus, is an alternative. It is a counter-narrative, a, counter, a complete counter and op opposite kingdom to what we see around us. There is this struggle for us. Maybe the struggle is 
is in what we know we should do and what we are currently doing or wanting to do what we know we should do and feeling this pull back into maybe our past or old lives. Paul, who we've been looking at his letter to the Ephesians, says in Romans, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Anyone relate to that? You have these moments that you go, I know what I should do. I had one even this week where um, I, I, I was going, I've been feeling pretty convicted that I'm like, how I start my morning sets the tone of my day. And I go, I need to, I need to not use my phone for the first hour. And it's funny because I have an alarm clock that is currently turned off and I use my phone as my alarm clock. And um, and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to set this time aside. I'm going to spend some time with God. And you know what I found for that full hour? I was like, what about that one thing? I should just look it up on Google quickly. <laughs> like, I'm like, and I go, no, it's an hour. I find in the tension. Now, there are more serious ones in our life where we go, I know I'm not doing what God has asked me to do. Why? And, I, and, I, and it bothers me that I feel this way. And so we see this for Paul and we experience this, experience this in our own life. It represents tension. Tension, this reminder that there is a battle going on. There is an internal and external fight. There is spiritual warfare. And when we are growing spiritually, we will inevitably face opposition. Now, here's the encouragement. If we're going to face opposition, let's make sure it's for the right reasons. If we're going to face active opposition, let's make sure it's because we're actually fighting the fights that God asks us to fight, not our own fights. Let's make sure that we're going, God, I want your will, not my will, not my pet project. I want to be part of you building your kingdom. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, we are human. But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We wage war. We wage war every single time we choose to love our enemy, even when they don't deserve it. We wage war every single time we choose to be generous, even though our tendency is to hold on to it for ourselves. We wage war every single time we invite God to search our hearts and show us the places that we are not following him and actually invite him to change us. We wage war when we're willing to confess our secret sins in the context of safe community. We wage war when we're unwilling to gossip with other people, but instead go face-to-face for healthy dialogue and reconciliation. We wage war when we give daily time to God instead of going our own way. We wage war when we take back the ground that we've given to the enemy. We confront the lies with God's truth. We face internal battles and external battles, knowing that we're not on our own. We know that God is using us to make a way to himself, for us and for others. When you are growing spiritually, 
you will face opposition. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you find yourselves. Maybe for some of you, you go, I'm not in the fight. Like, I just have been watching, spectating, consuming. And the invitation for us is something called repentance. And repentance is I'm going in a direction, and when I repent, I turn. I change my mind, and I go in a different direction. Maybe the invitation for you is that. I want to get back in the fight. I want to put the armor on. I want to get involved. I don't want to watch other people. I don't want to hear about stories of God using people. I want to be back in I want God to use me. We're going to spend a little bit of time worshiping, but maybe, maybe part of it is going in this moment as we worship that you just are asking God, where are you leading me to? God, I believe, will give you a little nudge, a little invitation to take a small step. If you are in the room and you know you are in the fight, that you are facing challenges, do not give up. You are not alone. We are in that together. We are in it together. And in the moments that you feel like, you know what, I can't do this, be reminded that it's his strength and his mighty power. But it's also this beautiful community of people trying to follow the way of Jesus together. And when you're in the fight, put on the belt of truth. Confront the lies with God's truth. Maybe you're in here or you're watching online and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. I want you to know that the big reason, that one of the key reasons that we are willing to fight is for you. Because there is a, a battle going on for you and for your soul, and we care too much about you to leave you on your own to go, you know what, someone else will deal with it. When Lee and I started Collective Church almost two years ago, it was, I was reading stats. I don't know about you, but I haven't historically been moved by statistics. And yet I'm in my basement in... Calgary, and I'm reading the statistics of 400,000 people plus in London and over 100,000 that would actively say, I, I, I don't have any kind of relationship with God. Over 100,000 people. And it wrecked me. And I went, as a church, we need to be willing to fight for those people to know about Jesus. So if that's you and you go, I've never made the decision to follow Jesus, today would be a great day to do that. To take your first step, to say, I'm acknowledging that I am broken and desperately need in need of a Savior. I want to let you know that Jesus lived a perfect life for you, a life you could never live. To restore you back to a relationship you could never fix yourself. The one relationship that you'll spend your whole life looking for, that is reconciliation with God lived a perfect life, died on a cross, rose again to conquer the grip that death had on us. And he made a way. I want you to know that we are willing to fight. We are willing to put on the armor so that you might know how deeply God loves you. I don't, I don't know where you're at, but my encouragement would be don't stay where you are. Ask God to lead you. But if you are facing challenges, just know God is in it, and he's with you. Continue to draw close to him. Let's pray, and then we want to worship together. God, I am so grateful that you are close. I'm so grateful that you remind us that this world and life is not meant to be easy. God, help us to confront the lies that maybe we believe about what it means to be a Christian in Canada. 
and be willing to surrender to you a life that is more difficult and yet more valuable. God, help us to have our hearts broken for the people around us that don't yet know you. God, we are willing to contend for them. We are willing to fight for them. God, draw us closer. And even as we worship, even as we sing, we remind ourselves we are building our life on you. God, we want to follow you in every single area. We love you. In Jesus' name. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.